Well, it is good to see all of you out this morning, and we're certainly glad that you are here. And uh, it's always a privilege to be able to stand before you, and especially in these times when we don't know exactly what's going to happen from week to week, or even from day to day. Uh, but I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to be here, and that you're able to be here, and that, that we can, can share this time together in worship to God. Today we begin sort of a new series. Um, we ended our studies in Ezekiel. Uh, we did nine lessons and we did some really good ones, I thought. Um, just some things that, that were, were sermon worthy. But today we're going to start, this is not going to be a long one. I only have two or three lessons in mind for this. Uh, but we're going to be looking at preaching the Word and what it means to preach the Word. The whole counsel of God. And today we begin with, with something that is sort of a difficult topic in, in some ways to, to preach because there are many people that will not preach it. Just because of our day and time, uh, the way that this might come across makes it a little difficult. We live in a time that we preachers would refer to as postmodernism. And basically all that means is that that everything is new. Everything needs to be new. We have to have a new way of doing everything and especially whenever that applies or where, whenever that translates to the church there are a lot of people that believe that we have to have a new way of doing everything. We have to have a new way of bringing people in which oftentimes means that, that we have to have a new way of preaching and worshiping. Doctrine, for instance, is something that, that people will not preach anymore. Doctrine, you see, divides. Doctrine divides. And if we're not going to offend people, well, well let's just not preach doctrine. Uh, I, I do have some, some things that, that I follow here and there that, that are not from the church, so to speak. Um, I, I have a friend of mine that I, I follow him and some things that he does. But there was something that he said in one of... of uh, he does videos and, and on one of his videos there was something that he said that really just stood out to me. And he, what it was is he was trying to explain a, a certain Bible study. And he was telling of all the good things about it and how great it was. And one of the things that he said, it doesn't teach doctrine. You don't have to worry about it, it teaching something that, that you don't agree with because it doesn't do that. And it's really good about that. As a, a preacher, from the standpoint that, that, of where I was sitting and from the way that I was raised, that's exactly what not to preach. Doctrine, yes, it divides. Doctrine is difficult and sometimes it does offend. But let me suggest to you that people can't be saved without the doctrine of Christ. Without the doctrine of the Bible. The doctrine that God gave us. Doctrine divides. And because of that, there are a lot of people that will not preach doctrine. There are a lot of churches that will not preach doctrine. It may be that they simply don't want to deal with the, the hard or difficult teachings of the Bible. 
postmodernism. A time when we want everything to be new, and so a lot of people try a new way of preaching. I want to tell you today why we should preach doctrine. Why we should teach doctrine even today. Even in a time where we're trying to do everything new, I want to tell you why the old way is still the best way. We need to preach doctrine, first of all, because the Bible teaches doctrine. And if the Bible teaches doctrine, then we need to preach doctrine. It's as simple as that. Doctrine is necessary for spiritual growth. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. If we're going to equip people to face the world, if we're going to equip them to, to face different teachings and things that, that aren't in line with God's Word, then we must prepare them with doctrine. Spiritually, we are fed by the Word of God and spiritually, we are not healthy without knowledge of it. So we need to be knowledgeable about the doctrine of the Bible, the doctrine of Christ. To be aware of false teaching when it's presented. Kirk gave this analogy a while ago. And it's one that has always stuck with me in regard to uh, how we know false teaching. And he used the analogy of, of money. Bills. Sometimes people take dollar bills or Maybe not dollar bills, but they'll take bigger ones. And they'll try to make fake bills. Well, how do you know a fake bill from a true bill? You know the difference because you know what the true bill looks like. And when you know what the true bill looks like, you know an imitation. Well, it's the same way with the truth. With the Bible, we know... An imitation. We know the, the false teachings because we know the truth. And we need to stand firm on the truth. Preaching doctrine. A lot of people don't want to preach doctrine today. But I want to share with you reasons why it matters. I'll give you one lesson objective to recognize the importance of preaching doctrine while many refuse to do so. Most of our time we'll, we'll spend with, with this first point, the importance of doctrine in Scripture. Doctrine was taught in Scripture. Let's go back to Jesus. And let's go back to His ministry. And whenever we look at Jesus' ministry, we understand that Jesus taught doctrine. For instance, He taught doctrine regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage. In Matthew 19, beginning with verse 3, Matthew 19 and beginning with verse 3, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason... 
A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. From the beginning, God made marriage a difficult thing to be severed. There are a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions involved when a man and a woman who are married together, whenever they separate from one another. Why? Because they have become one flesh. And it's almost as if tearing off a limb from a body. It's a very difficult thing to do. And it's very difficult, or at least it should be very difficult, for that marriage to be severed. That's the way marriage was intended. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. And he goes on to say in verse 7 of Matthew 19, They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Jesus taught doctrine. The only acceptable reason for divorce, other, uh, for ending a marriage even, the only way that a marriage really should end is by death. But the only acceptable reason for marriage, divorce, and remarriage is for sexual immorality. And it's not so that the spouse that, that has committed the crime can remarry also. But it's for the innocent party. Anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. There are some that, that even go as far as to say that even this is wrong, but this is what Jesus taught. For the reason of sexual immorality, an innocent party is allowed to remarry while the other spouse is alive. But it is the only acceptable reason for remarriage as given by Jesus. And again, his thoughts go back to the beginning. The way that marriage was intended from the beginning was that the, the two should never separate for any reason. That's the way God wanted it. That is the doctrine of the Scriptures. It is the doctrine of Christ. And as He taught it, so we should teach it even today. But, but, but it will offend people, but people will be, be angry about, about, about what we teach. The Bible still teaches it. Jesus still taught it. And so we need to stand behind the doctrine of Christ. 
Jesus also taught doctrine regarding worship and the teaching, the doctrines of men. In Matthew 15, beginning with verse 1, Matthew 15 and beginning with verse 1, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do you, your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? So what they were concerned about was the disciples that were with Jesus. They weren't washing their hands before they ate. That was a tradition. That was something that they, they thought was a good idea. That was something that we need to do because we think it's a good idea. Well, why aren't they washing their hands, Jesus? And he says to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your, tra your tradition. Verse 4, for God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. That's a word, that's a strong word. And we can imagine that being called hypocrites didn't sit very well with the Pharisees and the scribes. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But inside, their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They were treating the washing of hands and other things, other traditions that they had come up with as doctrine and things that they had to do. And more so, they were using it as a way to condemn others for not doing them. But in vain they worshipped me, teaching as doctrines. Not that they were teaching doctrine. They weren't teaching the things of Christ. They weren't teaching the things that God wanted them to teach, but they were teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a man. And guess what? As we read Matthew 15, as we read these words, we find that someone was offended. Matthew 15, beginning with verse 12, Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Though some were offended at what he taught, it did not prevent Jesus from teaching it. Do you think that Jesus taught those things because he wanted to offend people? No. No. But he taught it so that they might know the, know the truth. So that we might know the truth. 
from the traditions of men. He also taught doctrine regarding obedience to the law. Matthew chapter 5, going to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does, but whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Of murder and adultery, he goes on to say, beginning with verse 21, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And that was true. That was the law. Anyone who murders someone is in danger of judgment. But Jesus goes a step further in verse 22, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Begins in the heart. We need to be careful of what is in the heart. In verse 27, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus says that, that what is in the heart matters. What is in the heart is the initial offense of the law. Not just transgressing the letter of the law. Not just the action, but what is in the heart leads to the action. And anyone who has those things within their heart is in danger of the judgment. Jesus taught doctrine regarding obedience. He taught the teachings of God. Of His teaching, it is said in Matthew chapter 7, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 7, beginning with verse 28, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at His teaching. For He taught them as one having authority as one having authority and not as the scribes. Jesus set the example. If He taught doctrine, then so should we. And we should stand firmly on the doctrine that He taught. Not only did Jesus teach doctrine though, but He also taught His apostles to teach doctrine. Let's flash forward a bit to Acts chapter 2 following the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and also His ascension. We come to the day of Pentecost, the establishment of the church, and guess what was taught on the day of Pentecost? Doctrine. Doctrine regarding obedience and baptism. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 37, the end of Peter's sermon 
Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, now wait a minute. Let's think about what Peter is saying here. We have to repent and be baptized in order to receive the remission of sins. Now, some might say that, that doctrine offends. There are people that do not believe what the Bible says. There are some that try to explain away the word for. Well, it means because of. That's not what it says. Peter said, repent. Let every one of you be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission. For the forgiveness of sins. That's what he said. And you know, the people were not afraid of, their do of this doctrine. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 40, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Sounds a lot like ours, doesn't it? Those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They weren't afraid to follow the doctrine that Peter taught. And why people are afraid to follow that doctrine today floors me. I, I don't understand. Is baptism a little inconvenient? Well, maybe so. Sometimes it's hard to, to accomplish. Depending on the, the situation of the individual. Some are in wheelchairs and things of that nature. Aren't able to walk. And, and yet we make an effort to, to make sure that they are baptized if they want to be. Was it inconvenient for 3,000 plus people to be baptized on the day of Pentecost? How was that accomplished? I don't know. I can't picture it. But it was. The Bible tells me it was. And I believe it was. Well, it's easier if people just believe. Or, or it's easier if, if maybe they, 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 they follow the, the, the directions of the Bible up to baptism. Well, let's just forget about the, the fact that, that baptism is the act which doth now save us. That's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. That's what people want to believe today. Let's make it easy for them. Or, or maybe we'll, we'll just sprinkle them, or, or maybe we'll pour water on them. Let, let's just start when they're infants and, and go ahead and sprinkle them too. That's not the doctrine of the Bible. Those who knew they had sin in their lives, those who were accountable for that sin, were to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And they were not ashamed of that doctrine. The apostles were not ashamed of it. The Jews were not ashamed of it. 
The Gentiles were not ashamed of it later on. And every conversion that we read in the book of Acts culminates in baptism. That's doctrine. But again, it's a doctrine we need to stand on. It's a doctrine we need to teach because, again, it saves people. Their obedience saves them. Doctrine was not just important in the Scriptures, but it's also important to us today. The healthy, the healthy church preaches sound doctrine. If we want to be a healthy congregation, if we want to be a healthy church, it's because we preach sound doctrine. Look at Paul's letter to Titus in chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. And it goes on to give other instructions for other members. But he tells Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Have you ever heard that term before, sound doctrine? Or maybe you've heard of sound churches or sound congregations. This is where it comes from, from the Bible. Paul wanted the church in Crete to be a healthy church. And thus he encouraged Titus to preach sound doctrine. Doctrine that is true to God's Word and desire His desire for His people. There are churches in the world today that refuse to preach sound doctrine. I wouldn't go as far as to, to say that all, but, but many of the churches that, that are in great numbers, thousands in attendance, most of the time, it seems that it would be because they are not preaching sound doctrine. And that is not a healthy church. It doesn't matter how many people you have on your, in your directory or on your role. But a healthy church is one that preaches sound doctrine. And there are many people today that are not getting enough sound doctrine. They don't understand it because they don't hear it. If they did, they'd probably be offended. Timothy. Timothy was warned in 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. We read these two verses a little while ago, but let's read into chapter 4. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word. Notice there's an exclamation point there. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. 
in season and out of season, when it's convenient, when it's not, when they like it and when they don't like it. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, but you be watchful in all things, in your afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy was taught to preach the Word. There are going to be people that don't like what you hear, but you keep preaching. You preach the truth as you've heard it from me, as you've heard it from God. You preach the truth always. There is going to come a day when people are not going to listen to what you're, you're preaching. We're in a day and time where lessons like this, people aren't going to listen to it. And I know that. And it breaks my heart. They will not endure sound doctrine. People that I love. People that I cherish in my life and they will not endure sound doctrine. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Timothy's purpose for preaching sound doctrine. Time would come when many would not endure such teaching. And Timothy was to prepare himself accordingly. Preaching the word always. Even when it became uncomfortable, and sometimes it is uncomfortable to preach doctrine because of the reaction of people. We don't want to offend. We don't want them to be angry at us, especially the people that we're closest to. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Doctrine is just as important today as it's ever been. Maybe more so today than it's ever been. We recognize that, that doctrine is connected to our salvation. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Doctrine is connected to salvation. It begins with our obedience, our, our faith that leads us to obedience. Uh, the faith that, that leads us to confess that faith. And, and ultimately to do exactly what Peter said uh, for the Jews that they needed to do. It's the same thing that we need to do today. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If we're going to have remission of sins, if we're going to be forgiven... 
We must obey. And that's connected to doctrine. Peter wasn't afraid to teach the Jews doctrine in order that they might be saved. And neither should we be afraid to teach it today that others might also be saved. Outside of the doctrine of Christ, teaching anything other than the doctrine of Christ and the doctrine that we read of in Scripture will not save people. You can tell them to believe all you want to and they're still not going to be saved because they didn't obey. We have to teach them the doctrine. We have to teach them the whole doctrine, the whole counsel of God in order that they might be saved. And if we want them to be saved, then we stand by the doctrine of Christ and we teach it every opportunity that we are given. The gospel message is the doctrine of Christ. Faith, confession of faith, repentance, baptism. And let's not forget about continued faithfulness. Just, just because someone goes down into the water and comes back up doesn't mean that they're going to be a faithful child of God. Many, many people have been baptized and walked away from faithful service when it became difficult. We must continue in faithfulness in order to receive the crown of life. Revelation 2 and verse 10. Now as the gospel message saved many in the days of the apostles, as it saved the, the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, as it saved the unit, as it saved Lydia, the Philippian jailer, Cornelius, the Gentiles, as it saved them, it saves us today if we are obedient to it. And in order to be obedient, we must know the doctrine of Christ. We must be well versed in it. We must be able to teach it to others. But as it saved many in the days of the apostles, and even after them, so it has the power to save today. The doctrine of the Bible, the doctrine of Christ has the power to save even you. I don't know where you might stand in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're a faithful child of God. I don't know if you've obeyed. We always offer the Lord's invitation in hopes that if anyone present is in need of responding to that invitation, if they would. And so we offer you the invitation today. If you need to respond in obedience and repentance, if you need to ask for prayer, there's any way that we can help you. We want to do so. As together we stand and as we sing.